Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. Who likes change? Define change. Well, if I walk in the house and Helen's moved a, a bit of furniture, I freak out. That's how much I like change. But you know, God's bigger than change, isn't he? That's the God I know. God's bigger than our circumstances. God's bigger than whatever we face. We, we can declare and know with confidence that God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And that his plans for us are good. You know, there's a continuing theme right through Scripture where God turns what looks like a mess into a masterpiece. We only need to look at the story of Jesus when he was born, the way he was conceived. You know that he was conceived outside of wedlock. Can you just imagine how messy that looked back in that day? He was born in a messy stable. I don't know, if I was going to, if I was God and I was going to bring a saviour to the world and, and, and a, a, rule, a king that would rule over the whole world, I don't think I'd pick a messy old stable for him to be born in. But that's the business our God is in. He's in the business of turning our mess, or the mess that we are in, into his masterpiece. Yeah, we only need to look at the circumstances that surround the birth of Jesus to see how God turned what looked like a huge mess into his masterpiece. I'm, you, you, most of you here this morning would be familiar with how Mary fell pregnant. We know that she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But for the people that were witnessing her life, it must have looked messy. Think about that. It must have looked messy. Luke 1, 26 to 40, in the New Living Translation, I'm just going to read to you the story of how Mary conceived. So if you've got the, your Bibles there and you'd like to turn to, your, to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26 to verse 40. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Gal- Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings. Favoured woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever in his kingdom, will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age, People used to say she was barren, but she was conceived a son and is now now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. 
Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said to me come true. And then the angel left her. You know, to, in today's society, when somebody falls pregnant, it's just, it's a common occurrence and there's no, there's no stigma attached to it and it just happens. In today's modern society, it's just a normal part of when a couple get together and they decide, well, let's, uh, let's build a life together and they say, without even getting married, they say, let's have a child. But let me tell you, it wasn't that long ago that when a, a girl fell pregnant, that there was a great, sti- outside of wedlock, there was a great stigma attached to it. In some instances, the women would be locked up in a convent and they were forcibly told to give up their babies. And it was even worse, let me tell you, when Mary and Joseph, for Mary and Joseph back in their day, according to the Jewish law, which they lived under. Because a woman who was engaged to a man but had sexual relations to another man, the law says you should be stoned to death. Let me read it to you, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 22. 23 to 24, uh, chapter 22, 23 to 24. Suppose a man meets a young woman, a virgin who is engaged to be married, and she has sexual intercourse with her. If this happens within a town, you must take both of them to the gates of that town and stone them to death. The woman is guilty because she did not scream for help. The man must die because he violated another man's wife. In this way, you will purge this evil from among you. So can you just imagine back then what it must have been like for Mary when she fell pregnant? Put yourself in her picture for a moment. Even though the angel had appeared to her and told her that she would fall pregnant, just imagine for a moment you being Mary and you trying to explain that to Joseph or to her family or to her neighbours. Now there might be some really holy and religious people that would say, well, if that was me, yes, I would believe what Mary said and I wouldn't have an issue with it. And good on you if that's what your response to that would be. But let me tell you that, that in, our, in our weakness and in our flesh, we will be going, I think she may have slept with another bloke. Come on. Let's not be all religious and holy here this morning. Let's just be real. Come on, these thoughts that come into my mind, I know they come into your mind too. And when we see people doing things that we think they shouldn't do, we draw conclusions and we make judgments, yes. And that would have happened for Mary. No matter how many holy people were around her, people would have been gossiping and saying, look, she's pregnant to another man. And yet God chose to use this mess and turn it into his masterpiece. How cool is that? Can you imagine Mary going up to people and saying, oh, I'm pregnant, and it's because the Holy Spirit came upon me. Right, yeah, right, oh, Mary, I believe you. (laughs) Come on. You know, today, no matter what sort of mess you find yourself in, God can and will turn it into his masterpiece. Did you hear how Mary first felt when the angel appeared to her And gave her the news that she would uh, have birth to a son. She was confused and disturbed. Sometimes we get news and we get confused and disturbed. And sometimes the news is of God and yet we still get confused and disturbed. I don't know, maybe this morning, like I believe in my heart of hearts that Helen and I have done our very best to seek God about this transition. And to seek God and ask what the future will look like for this church and who should lead this church. And, and for some here this morning, when you heard, this, you heard the news about Helen and I leaving, 
you might have felt a little bit consumed, uh, confused or disturbed. But I want to tell you, if that's you, I want to give you comfort this morning and tell you that God has a plan. And we're just part of this plan. And we're just trying to be obedient to the plan that he has for us. Now, can I say to you this morning, Bribe Church... They haven't had their vote yet. We've been approved by the board. The board have asked us to come, but Bribey Church has not made their decision yet. There hasn't gone for them to have a vote. They have to be given two weeks' notice, so they're voting next Sunday. So Helen and I, next Sunday, could be high and dry. (sighs) But we've done this for two reasons. One is that we didn't want you to hear the wrong way about what was happening. We wanted to honour you. And the second reason we've done it is because we want you to know that we're walking by faith. And see, walking by faith is you take steps sometimes and you don't know the future. And you're relying on trusting in God, not relying and trusting in people. We believe this is a God thing. We're trusting God. And if the worst case scenario, and we don't believe for a second this is going to happen, but if the worst case scenario was that they said, no, they don't want us, well, we'll get on with life. It's not the end of the world and it's not the end of the story for Helen and me. But we believe in all our heart and all our soul that this is part of God's plan. I am so excited. I, I, I believe that this next season for the church, you will flourish. You will prosper. I know that because I see leaders like Pastor Dolph. I see leaders like, um, where are they, Pam and Lynn. Like, you have got such a strong leadership, such a strong board. I'm so encouraged. You've got so many young people that are growing and maturing and becoming all the things that God's called them to be. And then there's you, the congregation that love Jesus. And you know that anything, any circumstance or any situation that you face, God's bigger than that. And you'll get through this. See, it's not about Helen and John. It's about the power of God working through me to you. Amen. She was confused and disturbed, but the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. Church this morning, don't be afraid. God's got your back. We know that Mary, according to scholars, spent the early part of her pregnancy visiting her relative Elizabeth in the Judean hills. When it came time for Mary to return home, there was no hiding the fact that she was pregnant. And I am pretty sure that if I was Mary, I can't be because I'm a male, but if I was, I would be anxious on that journey back to meeting my family and friends. Even though Mary had done nothing wrong, she must have been thinking, how on earth am I going to explain this to people? She'd been away for three months. I'm sure that Joseph would have been looking forward to seeing her, but can you just imagine that meeting for a moment? Hi, Joseph. I love you, but I've got some news for you. I'm pregnant. Can you imagine that? It must have looked like a big mess. This would have been very difficult for Joseph to understand. I'm just being real. It would have been difficult for Joseph to understand. Despite Mary's explanation of how she felt pregnant, I'm pretty sure that Joseph had doubts and that he he must have been thinking she slept with another man. 
Now, I don't know. I can't state that as fact. I'm not Joseph and I wasn't there in the moment. But I know that Joseph, Joseph is human. And I know I am too. And I think you are too. And I know that in our humanness, we have doubt. Come on. We all doubt. Let's not be religious and holy and make out as though everything's okay and it's all good and we're holy and it doesn't matter. No, no, let's be real. I have doubt. You have doubt. Joseph had doubt. It looked like a mess. But the, the thing is, Joseph didn't want her stoned to death or be disgraced publicly, so he decides to divorce her. Back then, engaged people were viewed as married, so a divorce was required to end the engagement. Some time later, you know the story that an angel visited Joseph, and, he, and, he, and listen, I'll read this to you, it's Matthew 1, 20 to 21. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you'll be able to name you you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we sing all these beautiful carols? Because we are we understand the gift that Jesus is to mankind. And we want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate the fact that God sent his son so that broken relationship between every human being that's born and God can be restored. Not by what we do, but by faith. That's why Jesus, that's why God sent Jesus to save us from our sins, to save us from hell, to give us an eternity, but not just to give us an eternity, but to give us a life where we can live abundantly. Well, we can live with more than enough. Well, I, I love Christmas carols. Renee, we're just singing Christmas carols from here on until through till uh, April, till we go, okay? That's it. I've made that decree. Anybody with me? Yeah? When Joseph woke up and the angel had visited him, it must have been like a heavy weight had been lifted from his shoulders because the whole issue of pregnancy had been cleared up and then he decides to take Mary home. You know, as children of God, it's no different for you and I today that God wants to use our mess to turn it into his masterpiece. I know you know my story. You couldn't get much more messed up than me. I'd failed at everything. Father, son, brother, I had failed. Addicted, unable to get, have any victory in life, trying within every bone within me to overcome my addiction, but with it powerless to do it. I wanted to get better, but I just couldn't. I had no power to do it. I tried many times. I visited different rehabs, different pills, different things. I tried everything, but I had no ability to overcome this addiction that I had to alcohol, and it ruined my life. By all accounts, my life was a complete mess. As I've said to you many times, I am less than the least of all God's people to stand here this morning. See, I grew up in church. 
I knew what you should do and what you shouldn't do. I knew that God was a holy God. And in my brokenness, I did things that I thought I would never do. Now, don't let your imaginations go too far. But I just need to say to you that I am less than the least of all God's people. But I believe that's the very reason why he wants to use me. And he wants to use you because he doesn't want prideful people, religious people standing there lecturing to everybody about what they're doing wrong. He wants people that will get up and say, yes, I'm just like you and I need help and I need forgiveness and I need a God that loves me. So it's no different for you and I today as children of God. He wants to clean up our messes and turn them into his person into his masterpieces. You know, I cannot take, I don't have any sense of personal pride for, for overcoming my addiction. I can't. It's all glory to him. In my own strength, it was impossible. In my flesh, it was impossible. I can't stand here today and say, it's because I did X, Y, Z that I've overcome that addiction in my life. It's only the power of God that's at work in me so that I was able to overcome my addiction. I'm going to talk about that a little bit further down the track. We all know that life can get messy. Mary was certainly in a mess by all accounts when you looked at her life. But here's the thing. It wasn't Mary's fault. And I know that there are people just like me here this morning that you're in a mess and it's your fault. Dumb choices stupid decisions, you've known better, you've failed, you've made mistakes, and it's come out of brokenness. That's where it comes from. We go to looking to other things and to people to give us really only what God can give us. And so we look to these other things to fulfill the empty void that's within us, and if we're not getting that empty void filled from God, we'll go looking for it everywhere else. But he wants to turn your mess, my mess, into his masterpiece. So how does he do that? Well, I can only tell you from personal experience how he did it in my life. And I believe that if he did it in my life, he'll do it in your life. Because I'm just as bad, if not worse, than you. But he did it in my life. See, God wants to clean up your mess whether it's your fault or not. So how does he clean up your mess? You know, after all, religion teaches that you should be punished for your mess. Just have a look at what we, we talked about earlier, the consequences of a, a woman falling pregnant outside of uh, marriage back then, back when Joseph and Mary were around. See, that's what religion does. It kills. It wants to punish. It wants to destroy. So how did I overcome when I was powerless? I started to understand that we're in New Covenant times. See, when Mary and Joseph were born, they still came under the terms of the Old Covenant. Do you understand what I mean by that? Old Covenant was man's, it was about man trying to appease God. New Covenant, when Jesus died on the cross, is about the work of Jesus and what he did for mankind. We live under the terms of the new covenant, meaning that we have, when we go, I'm a sinner, I recognize I'm a sinner, I recognize that my relationship with my God has been broken because of sin. 
Now, you might be Mother Teresa. You might be doing all good charitable work. You might be doing many things. And you might be going to yourself, well, because I've done this and because I've done that and because I've behaved well, because I haven't been like Pastor John and gone down that road, I'm okay with God. You're not. We all sin. We all fall short of his glorious standard. Every single one of us. We are born into sin. We cannot avoid it. Oh, well, I live a good life. I don't hurt anybody. I don't say the wrong thing. Have you ever had a selfish motive? Have you ever wanted things your own way? Have you ever found it hard to love your enemy? Well, guess what? That's sin. We all sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And that's why the gift of Jesus is such a wonderful thing. And we as Christians celebrate it every year. Like I was, as I was preparing and, I, and we knew that the message of us leaving was going to happen this morning, I thought, God, I, I said, God, what do you want me to preach about? He goes, preach about your heart, John. Preach out of your heart. Preach out of what you know. Preach out of what's helped you through life. Leave them with a gift of righteousness and God's abundant grace over Christmas. So that's what I'm doing for this morning. This is my gift to you this morning. I want to, I want to remind you that you have God's abundant grace and the gift of righteousness. If you're a follower of Christ, you have that. I want you over Christmas to remind yourself of that so that you can enjoy Christmas because our God wants us to enjoy life. He doesn't want us fearful. He doesn't want us stressed out. He wants us to be enjoying life. Don't believe religion again to tell you you've got to do this and you've got to do that. It's done. Jesus did it for us. He did it for us. Let's enjoy Christmas. Let's celebrate the birth of our, our Saviour. Let me, there's one Bible verse, you, I, I, your homework for over Christmas is this. You got a pen? Write it down. Ready? Come on. This is your homework. When, I, when you come back after Christmas, you've got to come to me and recite it. And if you don't, you're not going to get the reward. <laughs> Listen to this. You ready? Romans 5.17. For if by that trespass of one man, who was the one man? Come on. Adam. Death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive... What, what word was that that I just spoke? Receive. How do you receive? Take. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift... Do you want a gift this morning? Want a gift to leader? Yeah, I do. The gift of righteousness. What does that mean? What's the gift of righteousness means? Lisa, it means that when God looks you at you, because you're a follower of Christ, he doesn't see your sin. Your punishment has been dealt with once and for all. Woo! That's what he sees when he looks at you. Not because you did anything right other than say, yeah, I'm a sinner in need of a saviour. 
And because you've done that, because you've made that decision, you have more than enough grace over your life and you have the gift of righteousness. So every time you feel down and every time you feel like you've made that mistake or you're not measuring up or things have gone wrong, I want you just to say, no, I thank you, Lord, that I have the gift of righteousness. I thank you, Father, today that when you look at me, you don't see my sin, you see me through the work of the cross. See, I know that when I struggle and when I make mistakes, going down, getting down on myself and, and saying how stupid and dumb I was, well, that's okay for a little bit, I guess. We need to be humble and we need to recognize that we've, we've made the mistake. But that's not going to give us the power to overcome. The power to overcome lies in knowing that, you're the, that you have the gift of righteousness. See, I grew up in church. I believed in God. There are so many people say, oh, yes, I believe in God. But they do not understand, and I did not understand how to receive God's abundant provision of grace and the grift of righteousness so that I could reign in life. I never really understood the supernatural power to overcome that lies in receiving his grace and his righteousness. Is this making sense? I did not know that my answer to overcoming everything that had control over my life was lie in receiving God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. If you're living a defeated life, if sin has overpowered you, if you're carrying around with your whole heap of guilt and shame and condemnation, if you're living a life filled with anxiety, if you're experiencing financial lack, if you're experiencing broken relationships, then you're not living the life God has intended for you. I can hardly believe the life I'm now living. I just can't believe it. Why am I living this life? I don't deserve it for one second. But why is God blessing me? Why am I blessed with a beautiful wife? Why are we financially going well? Why are we why are we in this place? We certainly I don't may hell I might deserve it, but I don't. It's because I'm receiving God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. There's power, there's supernatural power when you get this church. There is supernatural power that lies in that. financial lack you know you know my story I'd lost everything I was bankrupt and now within a few months we're going to own our home I can hardly believe it I can hardly believe it Why? Why, God? I know I don't deserve that. Because I love you, John. I have a plan for you, John. Plan not to harm you. Plan to prosper you and plan to give you a hope for a future. And it's, he, he came in and cleaned up my mess and he's turned it into a masterpiece. Yeah. See, when you reign in life, you reign over sin. Does that mean I I don't have any issues and I don't have struggles? Of course not. I don't like it when I don't get my dinner at six o'clock. There's something that rises up within me that's pretty selfish and self-centered. That driver pulls out in front of me in the 80s and he does 50. 
There's something that rises up in me. Now, that may not be your problem, but don't sit there today and say, oh, well, I don't have those problems. You may not, but you've got other problems. Come on. See, when you reign in life, you will reign over every mess that you ever find yourself in. This was not the reality of my life. Even though I knew God, I did not understand this principle of reigning in life through receiving God's abundant grace and the gift of righteousness. You know, religion teaches you that you need to earn God's love and that he will only help you if you do certain things the right way. Yet this is not what this Bible verse is teaching us. The promise of this verse is that when we receive, turn to your neighbor and say receive. Receive. When you receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, you will reign in life. It does not say when you achieve grace. And your own righteousness, you will reign. No, it's when you receive it. How do we receive it? We receive it by faith. Most of us have been taught that if you work hard, you'll achieve, uh, uh, you will be able to achieve a successful life. We've been taught to focus on achieving. We've been taught to be diligent at work. We've been taught to be self-reliant and if we want to attain success. And let me tell you, that's a godly principle and there's nothing wrong with that. And I certainly believe, let me tell you this, as Christians, we should be the best bosses and the best workers. Would you agree with that? I was watching an interview. Anybody watch the Bolt Report? That's pretty boring. Where's Jason? He probably does. I'm the only one. It's on Sky News. Okay. Well, they were, they were interviewing the Angli- this Anglican guy that he, he gets on quite often, and they were talking about the early church. And he made a statement, something like this, because Andrew Bolt was trying to work out, well, when, when Jesus was around, the church was about 200 or something like that. But within a very short space of time, it just exploded. And, and Andrew Bolt asked this guy, why did, it expl- why did it explode? Now, I believe it exploded because of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. But he was saying that people saw something different in people. And they said, I want that. Now, I don't know about you, but if I see somebody who's grumpy and moaning and groaning and complaining all the time, I don't want that. But if I see somebody that's, that's passionate and caring and considerate and kind, I go, I want some of that. You know, church over Christmas, let's, let's people see that we're kind and we're compassionate that we show mercy and grace, the same grace that God has given me, I'm called to give out to others. God loved me while I was a sinner. So does that, that then means I then love other people full stop. To know that you're right with God, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did, gives you the supernatural power to reign in life. When God helped me to understand that I was right with him in spite of my messed up life, everything started to change. I began to reign in life. My favorite, one of my many favorite, Bible, you know which one I'm going to say now, don't you, Emma? Which one? Jeremiah 29, 11. That's the second one you got to learn. The first one, this is the second one. For I know I have the plan, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. 
So you might think you don't have any plans, but God has a plan for you. Plans to prosper you, really? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about financial prosperity. I do believe that as a Christian, God will provide for you no matter what. But the prosperity for me is much more to do about prospering from within, in spite of my circumstances. Plans to prosper you. And this is the kicker. This is the kicker. You ready? This is God's plan for you, Aunty Val. You're a bit hot there, brother. Yeah. Plan for you, Emma. Evangeline. Daryl. Kate. Freddie. This is this is God's plan for you. You ready? Fina, Sam, Emma, Bo, this is God's plan for you. Not to harm you. Woo! Woo! Come on! Why aren't you up on the seat turning around and dancing? (laughs) That's God's plan for you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I had no future. I had no hope. Everything ahead of me just looked disastrous. I tried on a couple of occasions to end it. I did not want to go on. A total sense of failure over my life, condemnation, guilt. I thought that God wanted to harm me, and rightly so, because I did things that I know that I shouldn't have done. But when I, when I started to understand that I have an abundance of grace and his gift of righteousness, when I read this, it said, not to harm you, the penny started to drop. <laughs> really? Even my messed up life? You want to change into your masterpiece? Devil's over here with his cohorts. Go and tell little Johnny that he's no good, that he doesn't measure up, that he just made that mistake again. Go and tell little Johnny that he'll never succeed, that he'll always be financially broke, that he could never possibly prosper. Go on, go. This is me. Oh, I made a mistake. Ah, see, you will never prosper. You will never make up anything. You'll just keep failing. I'm the righteousness of Christ. 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 Little demon. I try, but he just keeps saying he's the righteousness of Christ. Or oh, you just go back. You tell him he's not. <laughs> You're not the righteousness of Christ. Hang on, I'll just pick up my Bible and I'll read Romans 5.17. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. This is to you, church, today. 
is for every single person sitting here this morning. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Take that church this morning. Walk out of this place transformed forever. Then you will call on me, verse 13. 12, sorry. I'm out of breath. (laughs) Then you will call on me and I will... And, and, and come and pray to me. I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Maybe you're here this morning, you've lost hope. Maybe your life's just a complete mess. Maybe you think that you'll never measure up, that you'll keep making mistakes, that you don't have the ability to overcome Things that have control in your life. Listen carefully. You're his child. He wants to prosper you. And he doesn't want to harm you. He wants to give you hope and a future. No matter the mess your life is in. You will seek me when you... Sorry, you will, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Church, how desperate are you this morning? Like you can walk out of here. You go, oh, that was a good word. It's a good word. Pastor John, come up to me later and say, I did a good word. That'd be good. Um, lad. And you can just choose to live the rest of your life and be where you are. How desperate are you to change? I don't know about you, but I was more than desperate to change. I was sick and tired of being controlled, not just by alcohol but controlled by the lies that the enemy would whisper into my ears. That I'm a mistake. That I'm a failure. That my nose is so big that when I lie down, snow forms on the end of it. That's what the kids told me at school. And, even, you know, and I struggled to spell at school. And I'd keep getting these whispers. You're no good. You can't spell. You're faulty. There's something wrong with you. You'll never measure up. You'll never be an, inf- an influence to anybody. You're just a failure. You're no hope. You're a no hoper. Hang on. This is what the word of God says. Firstly, I'm a child of God. I made that decision to go, yep, I'm a sinner in need of a saviour. I understand that it's about a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not about attending church. It's not about how many times I pray. It's not about how much I love other people. But I tell you what, when you become a child of God and you understand that you have an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, guess what? You want to come to church. You want to pray. You want to you read your Bible. Getting very excited there. Where were you, Helen, to catch me? Like you do every other time. How desperate are you, church? Come on. How desperate are you? Will you seek after him with all your heart? See, when you become a Christian, you want to go to church. You want to pray. You want to love your neighbor. Now, I do struggle with loving your enemy. But God help me. And he's helping me. I need a lot of help in that area. Come on. 
I can love those that love me, but those that don't love me, I do struggle with sometimes. Well, most of the time. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you a future. How desperate are you? Maybe this morning you're confused and you're disturbed by what you've heard or the mess that you're in. Maybe here today in the mess you're in is not your own fault. Or maybe it is. Doesn't matter. He wants to turn your mess into his masterpiece. Jesus said in 11.28, and I happen to take Jesus at his word, and I hope you do too. So when he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, I happen to believe him. You know, in the verses leading up to that, he asks the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter answers, you are the Christ, the son of God, or you are the Messiah, the son of God. So God wants to use the people to build his church that understand who he is. Do you understand who Jesus is this morning? Is he your Lord and your saviour? Do you have that personal relationship with him? How desperate are you to change? It's my question to you this morning. If we could have the musicians up, please. God wants to turn our mess into his masterpiece. You might be sitting there this morning and say, well, why would God want to clean up my mess? Here's another really good Bible verse to take with you this morning. Got this one, Anjanette? You ready for this one? This is a really good one. I mean, there's a lot of good Bible verses, Emma. Lots of good Bible verses. Romans eight thirty seven to 39. Know in all things. In how many things? What does all mean? Know in all things that we are more than conquerors. I'm a conqueror. Bo, you're a conqueror. Woo! Through him, not on my own. I can't take credit for it. But through him who loves us. This is Paul in his letter to the Romans. And he says this. And Paul was a persecutor of the church. He stood by and watched as people were killed for the sake. Because he was just a religious man caught up in wanting to defend God. But he had a visit from on the road, didn't he? And it changed him forever. And he says this. For I am convinced. What does convinced mean? He knows. He knows. I'm convinced that neither death nor life. There's not much more than death or life, is there? I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither present or future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Woo! You think that little secret sin that you've got separating you from God, it ain't. Not what the Word says. When you covenant believers... You need to understand that we live in the new covenant, not the old covenant. Am I saying that the Old Testament is irrelevant? Absolutely not. Am I saying that you've got a license now to go and sin and do whatever you want? Well, if you're thinking that this morning, you've missed my message because I did say in that message that it gives you the power to overcome sin. God hates sin because of the destructive powers that it's got. 
He hates sin because it hurts people and he loves people. He loves them so much that nothing can separate his love for us. Nothing or anything, anything, anything in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.